podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show Edge Rush Propo. Still no proper intro, much like college days, may I point out. Uh, and still no TikTok. Yeah, I know. I, well, I was listening to College Days, as I do. It was a great show, apart from the clear slander at the top towards me. Um, you didn't yeah. hire me now for my musical capabilities. Oh, I, don't really, I don't really understand how I'm meant to just produce a jingle out of nowhere. Well, I've got musical friends, but... Um, exactly. That's a sign of a good producer. You're resourceful. You, I know, but you gave me a budget of 33p, which I don't think is really going to be able to do much. <laughs> Not ideal. A fair point. A fair point. Still, I expect you to work on it. I expect you to add it to or retain it on that uh, prop-o producer role to-do list, which is... Um, ever increasing I yeah think. that is ever increasing <laughs> that is that is one hell of a list but the one thing that i have mm. crossed off is the introduction of a nat coom show tiktok mm. that is largely because of my understanding or my increased awareness of the similarity between you as a human being mm. and jackson mahomes as a human being <laughs> so similar um <laughs> in terms of your dancing capabilities Yes. And your complete lack of awareness for anything going on around you at any time, uh, which was very much neatly encapsulated for Jackson Mahomes when he made a TikTok on the memorial for Sean Taylor that was going on in the game between the Washington football team and the Kansas City Chiefs. Not that I want to defend Jackson Mahomes particularly. And firstly, by the way, point accepted on the dancing little bit harsh on completely unaware of everything around me. <laughs> most, I'd say most things around me, but everything around me is a little bit harsh. Jackson Mahomes, not much about him. I He just seems to me to be a classic example of let's, let's ride the, let's ride this wave with become an influencer. Let's roll out slightly inane content and build a following of people who like watching slightly inane content. It, look, I might be being very harsh. He might just be, it might be a lot more to him than that, but I think he was a little, well, a combination of reckless and stupid um, and completely, completely naive to what was going on around him. And therefore it was unbelievably crass, very representative of the, generation we're in right now quite frankly yeah true some guy's the brother of an amazing player is dicking around on tiktok on, on the memorial to sean taylor however and here's the however and we didn't talk about this on the main show and i don't want to get too heavily into it on edge rush because we've got lines to pick and edge to give but looking into more detail about this washington sean taylor memorial and how ridiculously ham-fisted it was Oh, really? On so many levels, not least, and I, I believe this to be the case based on the the different sources I've seen uh, written or, or pushed out on social that seem very credible. But Washington fans out there, if this isn't the case, then then holler at the NC show. I will stand corrected. But it, it looked as though the Taylor's number, which is where Jackson Mahomes was dancing on, was which is why I was in there in the first place, was the roped off VIP area was entirely around the number. So in other words, now Jackson Mahomes should have had self-awareness and respect. But what are Washington doing that for anyway? The fact that that, that 
area, that access area, or there is access to that area for VIPs, it just so ham-fisted. The whole thing seems to have been rushed out. I, I reserved judgment on it. I thought, okay, is this just piling into Washington? Then don't seem to be uh, a, a, a well-run, a particularly nice environment for, for all the obvious reasons and the reported reasons. But, you know, let's reserve judgment. Maybe this has been planned for months and months. Sean Taylor is one of the greats, was lost in tragic circumstances. Is everyone just diving in two footed into Washington because they're an easy target. Turns out that they were, <laughs> they were completely justified to dive in two footed because Washington recklessly and cynically exploited one of their greats, I think this week uh, and, and shame on them for doing that. Uh, but either way, TikTok, not, not for a while as well. No, don't think <laughs> so. Completely. I think until we establish, um, or at least we get some funding or sponsorship, some dance lessons, yeah, um, for me them. as well, to be honest with you. And I'm not sure about Mark Carlson. Could Carlson save our ah. TikTok single-handedly, do you reckon? Maybe. I mean, there could be this kind of retro kitsch vibe. To, I think out of the three of us, Carlson might be the most effective on it. I mean, you yeah, should I be, think so. Propo, it's your generation, right? No, it's not. It's not. I'm 25. That is, it is younger than me. You're 25 in uh, the body of a 62-year-old. The body of a 62-year-old <laughs> and the mind of a 108-year-old like as well. Professor yeah. O. That's another nickname for you. Professor O. Professor O. Yeah, 100%. I also need to, I need to lie down after this. I need to lie down after most things. Most, uh, definitely recording edge rush. Yeah. Uh, Deshaun Watson was something else we wanted to touch on quickly, right? Yeah, no, 100%. I think, um, obviously, there is room, there is, Rumours flying around and I think there's been rumours flying around since the start of the season, since the allegations against Deshaun Watson came out, since the moment we realised that he clearly wasn't going to be a part of the Houston Texans plans this season. But I think everyone took them with a pinch of salt, largely mm. because of who wants to invest in the player. They don't know if is going to be able to play for them for various reasons. But when John McClain, who is effectively yeah. the oracle for Houston Texans um, information comes out and says it is likely that the Houston Texans seal a trade before the deadline for Deshaun Watson. I think everyone's ears, um, would you say everyone's ears appealed? Isn't that the Nat Coombs phrase? Uh, peeled up, yeah, their ears peeled. Not their ears peeled. peeled, yeah, Just, yeah. Yeah, their ears are peeled, yeah. Yeah, so these are peeled. So, yeah, I think everyone's ears are peeled as a result. Mm. Um, but I just wanted, obviously, he's heavily linked with the Miami Dolphins. That's been the franchise that they seem... Um, it seems most likely to invest in him. And I, after witnessing last week and witnessing mm-hmm. Tua coming back from a rib injury, mm-hmm. I've just seen a lot of the slander going towards Tua and a lot of people ignoring the blatant issues with what Deshaun Watson brings to a franchise and kind of focusing on what he brings on the field. And obviously as a Dolphins fan, I wanted to get your opinion because as a Bengals fan, if this was happening to my franchise, I would be feeling a little bit... Um, I would be looking at the situations a little bit suspect to be completely honest with you. Yeah. There are so many layers to this, aren't there? Uh, and I think it's probably something we will come back to on the show, uh, not necessarily on edge rush, but you know, on the mm. show generally as it plays out, I'll keep this quick. I think it's important to point out. I always say this in a, not that we've had a, a very similar situation ever before, but when a player is in, this type of situation at the moment, Deshaun Watson, look, it doesn't look good, but he hasn't been found guilty of anything. We've got to remember that at the moment. Now it, there are three different elements to this, right? The NFL's investigation, the least important of the three, but uh, in, in, in principle, but in practice, of course, quite significant in, in terms of the bearing of uh, what happens to him as a player. 
the police investigation and of course then the civil suits that have been filed by the claimants right so there are three different components to this the fact that there are so many claimants right the fact there are so many suits that have been filed doesn't bode well when you read into this story it looks uh to reach a conclusion that deshaun watson has behaved wholly inappropriately here would not uh be uh, too much of a stretch all right looking at the evidence that we have and what is being reported however we don't know on in terms of on football on the football field the fundamental principle if you remove all of that uh, and it's almost impossible to remove it all but if you just put that aside and say is this the right decision to because they're talking what two first rounders i think so i don't think it's been specifically um yeah, and, a hall, into, and yeah. more than that, if you are the lower yeah. end, like a hall, it's a hall anyway. If if that is the you know on the field, let's assume that all these problems go away, right? And Watson is good to go next season, right? Let's just go into hypothetical land. Would that represent a good bit of business for Miami? And I just can't see that it would because there is simply no clear cut conclusion to make about Tua yet it's ridiculous to spend and let's the reason they had the first round pick in the first place was because they dealt Laramie Tunsil and Mika Fitzpatrick so you follow this through and I'm not saying that either of those players even those players combined can be as impactful as an on form in form on song Deshaun Watson on the field as a player whatever he's like as a person as a player he's one of the best in the business and one of the most influential quarterbacks in the business right but nevertheless Micah Fitzpatrick Laramie Tunsil two young cornerstones of a, a building a franchise right you deal those away to get more draft capital you use one of those first round picks on a quarterback that you knew was a gamble because he was injured he hasn't had nearly enough time to demonstrate what he's capable of because he's been injured for most of this season and you're already thinking about moving on. They've been already thinking about moving on in the offseason. It's not as if he, let's say that Zach Wilson projects for the rest of the season as he has for the season so far, carries on playing at the same level. One or two good games, the rest of them nightmares. You can be pretty worried as the New York Jets at the end of the, you got a whole season, he's played that badly. Two is not even close to that. It's not even close to that. Why would you even think about gambling the future when, you, when you've already made a conscious decision to build a long-term plan by acquiring pieces, then give those up uh, makes makes no sense to me at all. I mean, his rookie season, you were what one game away from the playoffs, right? And right. when was the last time the Dolphins were that close to the playoffs? It's been a, it's been a long, long time. It seems like people are writing him off, yeah. yeah, a lot quicker than um, other quarterbacks, and I don't really yeah. understand it. And also, with all due respect to Miami, the issue right now this season has not been the quarterback. Yep. Your offensive line is a joke. It is one of the worst in the league. And that is one that they've tried to rebuild, what, three or four times. So that right. ultimately comes down to the GM. Right. And your defense has regressed this year. I understand yep. last week they didn't have two of their best players. But at the same time, yep. even when Xavier and Howard and Byron Jones have been on the field, yep. Miami have not looked like the team that they were last year. So I don't think, I don't understand why changing quarterback will change mm. all of those things. I mean, when was the last time you had a good running back? Well, this is it. Particularly, you make a great point. Change quarterback, particularly given the type of offense and type of team that that Flores and Greer want to build. It's not based around having 
everyone wants an elite quarterback, of course, but it's a team that is built around a strong ground game, a capable enough quarterback, and a mighty D. That's the, that's the blueprint, right? The ground game's disappeared. Gaskin's been banged up. But the ground game's... Flores wants to have a run first, whatever that looks like now in the, in the modern NFL, but like Seattle, right? He wants an offense like Seattle. And Tua can be that type. I don't think he's going to be as good as Russell Wilson, but he can be that type of quarterback. He's got a big arm. He's demonstrated in the past that he's a big moment, big game player. He's had a cup of coffee in the NFL. I mean, for goodness, it's getting out of control how quickly players are getting written off. It's out of control. When you look at the mathematics of this, look, maybe my mind is being slightly affected here by what we suspect off the field about this guy. And that's difficult because as a player, you know, we've worked together a long time. As a player, he's one of my favorite players. So I'm saying this with that in mind absolutely crazy town now 10 12 weeks on two is stinking the joint up and it's clear he just isn't going to be able to cut it at least at this iteration this fine but we don't know that yet so don't make the deal now it's just balmy the problem is and i get relativity always comes into it in sport especially Mm -hmm. but joe burrow is currently joey franchise to the cincinnati bengals and just joey Herbert. franchise joey franchise is, is that what joey the bengals franchise. fans are calling him joey yeah, franchise joey franchise yeah oh, god and then, i love uh, the bengals but that's quite um that, huh? that, i said i love the bengals as we'll come on to of course in a minute but that joey well, joe I, I just don't mind where well, you joe Burrow can do whatever everyone at this point and yeah. uh, justin herbert is obviously the future of the league according yeah. to everyone and their mother. So, yeah. Re- yeah, so sadly, it doesn't look good for two. And I also think that people are forgetting when I kind of often that when I'm in my spare time, as you know, when I'm not looking up stats, etc., I watch quite a lot of like throwbacks and sort of nostalgia trips to drafts and mm. like old drafts and seeing how players have done since then and sort of old draft rankings. Mm-hmm. And with the exception of the draft, obviously, had Baker and Lamar and Sam Darnold and stuff. Mm. And obviously, last year's draft, which had Burrow and Herbert, there are quite a lot of misses in the mm. NFL. And it just seems like recently, it's only really recently that we've just had hit after hit after hit after hit in terms of young QBs coming into the league and being immediate successes. Everyone always talks about Peyton Manning taking a while to really understand the league. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where Tua also is suffering because of his recency bias and because everyone around him is succeeding so like instantly Mm. and like compared to them, he's not doing as well. When again, I refer back to last year when I think he did a really good job. Mm. Well said. Couldn't agree more. Let's get on to Joey franchise them Joey franchise three games we're going to get into uh including the Bengals Ravens we've got uh propos prop bets yeah uh, my acker of the week our drew locks of the week as well quick recap on how we did last week pretty well oh generally pretty well so uh prop prop bets I'm currently nine and oh the last nine and weeks, oh which is pretty pretty incredible um to say the least I'm surprising myself at this point um, what about the other weeks they not count I like that so before that no, so before that I went 500 <laughs> okay alright so yeah so I'm basically 9 up from now from this moment onwards so it's not too bad nice um, and then with the Acker lost because Josh Allen fell over oh <sighs> God, we were getting so cocky as well. That was inevitably going to happen. Yeah, it was. It, we other, were very other bets landing. Yeah. Yeah. And then we won both of our Drew Locks of the week again. So five and one on both yeah. of our Drew Locks of the week. I was wrong on Pittsburgh. Mm. Uh, they didn't cover, but they did win. Um, I clearly had too much faith in the Pittsburgh offense. But I didn't, what I didn't expect was Seattle to be able to run all over them, mm. which is what they did. Like Alex Collins going for over 100 yards rushing and 
the Steelers allowing that part of the game to kind of give more room to Geno Smith. I didn't really see that coming. Mm-hmm. And that should give, considering who the Seahawks are going up against this week, mm. that should give another hint that I am certainly doubling down against Geno Smith. Interesting. What has Gino done to you? As I think we I discussed don't know, last but week's I just, show, but I just want to uh, gamble against him. Want to clarify? I think I was in the Gino camp last week. Just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, all right, he did say win outright though. <laughs> I wasn't far off. I mean, that was a hell of a <laughs> hell of a long shot. All right, let's start with that Bengals Ravens game. Then this uh, is so exciting because they're two genuinely captivating teams. I think. Mm-hmm. I love the Bengals right now. We talked about it on the show. They are wild and raw and uh, just rolling out that tag team with Burrow and Jamar Chase. I've been looking into, because I know you love your stats and data, I'll be looking at some crazy numbers, right? Uh, Only Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, and Debo Samuel have averaged more yards per route run than Jamar Chase this season. Like, forget, oh, he's having a great rookie season. He's, he's one of the best receivers in the NFL right now. I mean, I think he is, right? I don't think you can argue with that. He's incredible. Uh, so he is flying. Those two are flying. And then something else intrigued me about this game. Since the up against uh, this Ravens D that loves to blitz, right? There are a couple yeah, of teams that are crazy blitz. You know where I'm going with this one. Yeah, so, yeah. I think Miami are the only team that blitz more than Baltimore or anyway, they're both they're in the top three Baltimore and the blitz. Uh, Burrow is rolling. Against Exceptional, the, yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, it, this, this blew my mind. He's completed 34 of 47 attempts. This is against the blitz with six touchdowns and just one pick, which I think it might have been Ben on the show this week, or maybe Iron Mike. Incidentally, if you want to head back in the vault, Iron Mike's Monday review show. Um, ben on college days. Marek Larwood back in the house to preview this weekend. So uh, quite a few of the games we don't do on Edge Rush. If you haven't listened to that one, go listen to the preview show. Marek's in great, Nick, by the way, in really good form. Love catching up with him. One of the guys, I can't remember which one, made the point. I think it was Ben. It's the mark of progress when you're watching a young quarterback against the blitz. That's typically when they really get undone, right? And so Burrow's progression, if you're looking at numbers, particularly in that aspect of the game, must be highly encouraging to you as a as a Bengal to see that level of maturity and composure. Happy days. And as you know, Nat, I have been incredibly critical of Zach Taylor for yeah. pretty much his whole um tenure at Cincinnati and that is largely due to his play calling in game but the one mm. the one benefit we have from Zach Taylor being our head coach is the fact that he was the quarterback coach in LA yeah and that means that I think what he is doing with Joe Burrow can't be understated or underestimated and I think that's a perfect example yeah, if you look great. last year where we really struggled it was because we knew that our offensive line was one of our weaker spots and it meant that we got blitzed a lot and it meant that Joe Burrow got hit a lot mm. so clearly what they've done to rectify that to remedy that is teach Joe Burrow and really coach that in on how to get rid of the ball early and how to combat uh, teams bringing as much pressure as possible towards Joe Burrow and they have clearly done that and it has worked tenfold it they have been absolutely superb when it's when they are blitzed and that 
obviously is made much easier when Joe Burrow has Jamar Chase, which most of the time Joe Burrow will just throw deep to mm. roughly where Jamar Chase will be yeah. and Jamar Chase will usually be there. Yeah. There's been several moments where Joe Burrow has thrown deep, he's underthrown it or overthrown it mm-hmm. and Jamar Chase has read it so well that he has kind of combated the issues that they've had. Jamar Chase, the chemistry between those two is so good. It is unbelievable to watch. It is so exciting to watch as a fan. I can't talk about them enough. It, I think it is something that we are going to be watching for 10, 15 years, this relationship develop and then just get better and better and better. And I can't wait to celebrate it week in, week out. It is absolutely brilliant. But my only fear is, is that a rookie, he is now going to get double teamed a lot, which means that that is ultimately going to get more and more difficult for him. But we have T Higgins. We have Tyler Boyd, who are two very, very good receivers. And I expect them to have a successful week this week, especially because Ooh. everyone's talking about Jamar talking about that. Well, I want to get into that. And, and, and the flip side of that, the Baltimore receivers, I've got some uh, interesting, more interesting data for you on that too. But before we do, you just got me thinking there with the Burrow Chase connection, right? I'm going to throw some great double acts at you and see if they, if there's any recognition at all of who they are, given the fact that you only culturally seem to have acknowledged anything that has been made or exists from the year 2014 onwards, right? Yeah. So if I say um, Jagger and Richards. No. You wouldn't know who I mean when I say Yeah, Jagger. I do. Mick, ja- <laughs> Mick Jagger and... Come on. Who's the other one? Mick Jagger and... Keith Richards. Keith Richards. I did know that. That's the Rolling Stones. I did know that. All right. If I said Perry and Tyler. No, my instinct goes to Martin Aerosmith. Tyler. <laughs> Martin Tyler. All right. What about Bunker? Aerosmith. Yeah. No, not a fan of those. Not a fan of them. <laughs> Bunk and McNulty. Who? Bunk and McNulty. Bunk Great tag team. And McNulty. McNulty. From The Wire. Oh, you see, it proves you still haven't watched The Wire. Because if you'd had we even watched a minute of The Wire, you would know Bunk and McNulty. No, I have no idea. I thought it was going to be NFL. I had no idea where you're going with that. Keith Richards and Mick Jagger is the only one I have even slight understanding of there. But I'm actually not a massive Rolling Stones fan, even though I have a Rolling Stones poster in my living room. <laughs> That's as amazing. Speak, yeah. like, uh, like when Tim Lovejoy was wearing the Ramones t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. Like, even called him out. Have you seen that? It's a great clip. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. Maybe one Ramones song or one Ramones album, but he couldn't. Uh, all right. Uh, it, Laurel and Hardy? <laughs> yeah, well, it's only because I've seen the film with um, what's his face in what's those with two Steve Coogan. Yeah, is that Steve the Coogan. only reason you know about Laurel and Hardy? Well, I've Coogan. heard of Laurel and Hardy. That heard one I can. It. That one I know about because they're legends of the game. <laughs> but a, we're going to yeah. make this a regular feature. I want um, listeners to get in touch with Double Axe for all. <laughs> Let's see if he's heard them or not. We'll have like an over under for the season on how many. I'll give you Richards and Jagger just. So you basically got one. Ollie's on a total of one so far. This is amazing. Uh, speaking of great Double Axe. Uh, Lamar Jackson, the Hollywood Brown. Now we love Hollywood on this show because we do. he is, he's an explosive player in his own right. He is unlike Jamar Chase. He's been quite maligned this season. He's prone to errors. As we know, he's quite boom or bust and it has been all his career, but particularly acutely this year, but he's having a really good year. Or, I mean, I know he's had those missteps and calamities and everything else, but he has gained, and this is PFF with the stat, saluting your PFF, 80 yards or more, and scored a touchdown in 12 of his last 14 games. I mean, solid. I think he's, I think, I honestly think he's one of the most underestimated or underappreciated wide receivers in the NFL, genuinely, because he seems, whenever he makes a mistake, it seems to get highlighted 
tenfold. Mm. But whenever he scores a touchdown or he goes for two touchdowns or he goes for 100 yards, no one ever talks about him. And he does it more frequently than I think people give him credit for. Mm. And I said it before the season started, he had an incredibly strong finish to last season. And again, no one really identified that and said this is something that they can build on. Everyone was talking about the fact that he needs more weapons. But at the same time now, what they've got in Rashad Bateman and Sammy Watkins mm. is distractions to allow Hollywood Brown more space. And Hollywood Brown, from the first game he ever played, I remember that absolute demolition from the Ravens against the Dolphins yeah. when they found him a, a deep twice. What he can do is he can really exploit weaknesses and defences. And I think I think both receiving cores are going to cause a lot of problems this weekend. I think it's going to be yeah. very entertaining. I really like both of these receiving cores. I think Mark, Mark Andrews, the linebacking core for the Bengals has been one of the best. It's notoriously been terrible. We always have a terrible linebacking cause, but Logan Wilson, the um, second-year linebacker, has been sensational this year. And But last week, we did kind of get torn apart by TJ Hawkinson. Mm. He made us look quite average. So there is a fear for me that Mark Andrews could also do the same. I thought Rashad yeah, Bateman was brilliant level, last week as well. I thought Rashad yeah. Bateman looks good. So on that, Bateman was targeted more by Lamar than any other receiver. Yeah, it was not a massive amount, but nevertheless, it, I think a significant stat there. All right. So we think there are going to be points, I think is what we're saying here. What are we looking at? What's the what's the total on this game and how heavy are Baltimore, how heavy favorites are they? So the total for this game is over 46 and a half and it's actually come down funnily enough, Nat. So obviously people like the Sharps are on the under mm. and that is purely because both of these teams like to run the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. So that is why they think they're two quite slow, slow pacing teams. They think the clock will run quite quickly right. and they'll allow it to, which means that if both teams commit to the run like the way they have in previous games, it's likely that this total stays quite low. The Bengals be running a lot then. I didn't really, really <sighs> pick that up. Everyone, no one realizes how, yeah, that's why I keep moaning about Zach Taylor. We run on second and long more than any other team in the NFL. Really? It is. And it's last week was the first time where it really started to actually work, but that's against the Detroit Lions. Like I think going up against (laughs) like the Baltimore Ravens, it's going to be slightly different. Like I hope he kind of abandons it um, a little bit earlier. And that's where the over comes into play for me is because also the Baltimore Ravens, I don't think are going to be able to run the ball as freely as they have been recently. They are as banged up as uh, backfield has ever been. I mean, if you think about what happened preseason, losing J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, they mm. now look like they won't have Latavius Murray next week. They won't have Tyshawn Johnson. It is insane. But they still have basically Lamar Jackson, who's one of the best running backs in the league. Yeah. And um, Le'Veon Bell and Devonta Freeman. So they're not exactly struggling in that department. But we, as the Bengals, have been an incredible run D. We the defensive front has been sensational. Larry Ogunjobi and BJ Hill have been really good as defensive tackles. Trey Hendrickson has been sensational as an edge rusher. Like I really think that that's the area that the Bengals have improved the most. Everyone is focusing on our offense and yeah. our passing attack, but we're averaging we're only averaging like 18 points conceded each game. Mm. The most points we've conceded was 25 points to the Packers. I know, mm. obviously. Crosby missed a million kicks but at the same time I still think that is quite impressive we're actually five and I said it last week that was my Drew Lock of the week was the under in the Bengals game we're five and oh and unders and that is largely down to our defense mean being so strong that we haven't really needed to score that many points I think this game might be different now 
Mm. I honestly do think this game might be different. I think the both teams will struggle to run the ball and I think they're going to have to abandon that early and then they're going to have to start passing, which means that the clock won't run as freely as people think. And I think both of these passing offences will be so strong that they will actually mm. ha- have some success. At the same time, the one thing I love about the Bengals this, this year now is we compete. We yeah. compete and six and a half points just seems a little bit too many. I will tease that up to seven and a half, not lose that much value and take yeah. that every day of the week. I like that a lot. I like the, the tease over the magic seven as well. The couple of things on this and the, we'll roll on because we're going to do Philly Vegas and New Orleans Seattle as well before we get our Drew Locks and everything else. So speaking of Drew Locks, how about we doing on Drew Locks? Oh, reasonably well. We're both five and one. Five and one. Okay. My straight up picks, uh, which I do for Squawker, oh, which God. you can, I'm just, I'm just putting some context here, which you do. You can read on Squawker. Every week you give us this context. This, you can over contextualize, you know that. Please. 60, 60. There's a bit of self-deprecation coming. 65, 66%, I think. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hanging, yeah. hanging in there with, uh, with uh, those who are picking them. The, I'm saying all this because the sharps are coming in on the under and I typically, as listeners will know on this show, uh, seem to take the opposite lines of the sharps most of the time. <laughs> so yeah. I just want to say that uh, I wanted to give myself a, a bit of a big up before I uh, reinforce the fact that I tend to oppose the sharps, which means I tend to kind of buy the big narratives for the game. I feel really strongly this game's going over. I, I get the, the time of possession, the speed of the clock. I get the defense. You put a very good and, and really uh, educational position for the Bengals. We're getting dazzled by the Burrow Chase connection, but actually the defense is what's making this team in keeping this team in the playoff mix. I it's the fast strike. I I, yeah. I could just see. I think the fast strikes offset it. If you if Lamar to Hollywood, Chase or Higgins picking up a 67 yarder and suddenly they're in the red zone. I, it's a low total for me in the modern day NFL. That's a low ish total, right? I mean, it is, I, I think it's worth the roll of the dice. I, I, it I, is. I mean, I'm just looking at the, the stats. Now the tickets mm. <laughs> are all six, 60% on the over yeah. the cash. Yes. 84, 84% on the under. <laughs> but I genuinely, Nat, realistically, I, as I've done this show more and more, I've started to lean towards the sharps in certain spots. And I do think it's been a bad year for the sharps so far. I genuinely mm. think it has been. I think if you look at the sharps, every, week they've gone against the Cardinals and the yes, Cardinals right. continue, continue to defy to them yeah. every single week. Every yeah. week they usually go against the Cowboys. The mm-hmm. Cowboys are six and zero against the spread. Yes. So it hasn't been the best year for the Sharps. And I honestly, Nat was leaning towards the under sitting here and talking to you. I am now convinced that it's going to go over as Let's well. Let's do it. Let's the do it. The one that I like yeah, as well is Rashad Bateman. As you mm-hmm. said, most hard to receive a last, last week, three to one to score a touchdown. Ooh. I, I think that. there's value in that. Like I think there is value bonus, in that. A propo, bonus propo. That is a bonus propo one. Yeah, it doesn't go against the record. Philly Vegas next. So Vegas, if the Bengals are the team I enjoy watching the most at the moment, Vegas aren't far off, I think, for me. But now with the whole Gruden jeopardy and the the fight back, we talked about it on last week's show, didn't we? The fight. In fact, with Vegas, my true lock of the week last week. They were right. No, they weren't. The Chiefs were. Oh, the Chiefs were okay. But I, I think I think I picked Vegas to cover right last week. I'm pretty sure I did. Pretty did sure. I did. Yeah, we'll go back and listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I don't I, think we covered that game. I think I you're just adding that somewhere. In somewhere. The I, I also I covered. Them. I, I backed them as well. I think I, I backed them as well. Week. Yeah. And, and I week last week I did. I them. think look, it's going to be so difficult in the AFC. 
and obviously particularly in the West, right, to to look at this. But I don't. I think the, the Raiders is still in the playoff hunt. I really do. I, oh, I think, for sure. I think Carr. I look at the numbers on Carr. Right, he's averaging uh, eight point four yards per attempt this season. Right, the previous highest ever in his career. And bear in mind, this is a Pro Bowl, so it's presuming his Pro Bowl season. Seven point nine. It's a massive jump. He is tied first in terms of big time throws. Seventeen. He is tied first on a number of playmaking statistics and playmaking categories. And, oh, he's been sacked 17 times. I know, I know. I mean, awful. So I, look, there are fragility, like most teams, fragility defensively, right? So, yeah, yeah, you can put a pretty strong argument for why the Raiders will come unstuck more often than not on that side of the ball. But offensively, yeah, I I just feel this energy now about him and car is balling and people aren't noticing i um i like the raiders i like the raiders very much in this spot what are the what's the lines it's in vegas right so it's in vegas yeah i'm gonna Although get... i imagine eagles mm. the eagles will take a lot of fans to vegas they are big time it's that's yeah. gonna be a raucous raucous environment i haven't looked at this line and i am gonna say but three and a half vegas three Three. Okay. All right. So that's that's strange for me. That's a, that's if this is neutral, then it's a pick'em. I don't think it's a pick'em. I think what's the put the case for Philly? So the case for Philly is funnily enough, Nat. I've actually again weirdly um, before we started the show, um, I was all on Philly because that <laughs> is where all the sharp money is going. But uh, yeah, <laughs> obviously after you just said that. But at the same time, again, I now I am now flipping again. Um, I think the argument is the trench battle undoubtedly mm-hmm. will be won by Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. Lane Johnson is back for them at right tackle. Mm-hmm. And as much as Max Crosby has been elite this season, I don't think the Raiders will be able to bring as much pressure against this offensive line as they have done in recent weeks against weaker opposition. Right. And on the other side of the ball, you just said it. Derek Carr has been sacked 17 times. Javon Hargrave is one of the players of the season so far, one of the most no underrated players of the season so Agreed. far. People aren't noticing how much pressure he is bringing and how great he has been. The Eagles have one of the better passing Ds in the league. They actually average the fifth least amount of yards conceded Mm. from a passing attack. So this is going to be a tough matchup for the Raiders. Mm. And I think the one thing the Eagles will try and take away is the big play, which has been the key to the success for the Raiders this this year so far. And I think also you're coming off, there's that argument, you're coming off in a really emotional win, let's be honest. They put their heart and soul into that game against the Broncos and it was a flawless performance. It was brilliant to watch. Mm. And I really enjoyed it, especially after such a hard week for such a beloved franchise. It was really entertaining to watch, whereas the Eagles have had a long week. They obviously haven't played since last Thursday when they lost to the Bucks. And the one thing about the Eagles is, is they, I mean, they didn't, they, I think, I'm pretty sure this is correct. They scored on their first drive against the Bucks, mm-hmm. and then didn't have a first down until the third quarter, <laughs> which is absolutely stunning. But then as soon as they went three scores down, they scored on the next two plays, two drives. teams that do that. So do remember that game? It was when we were doing a red zone show. So I can't remember which game it was. We could we could probably work it out, but anyways, Minnesota's first drive and they yeah. sliced and diced. It was just a formidable, like you know, twelve play, ninety seven yards, ruthless. And then they didn't, and they were absolutely pathetic for, for the rest of the game, pretty much. I mean, this weird rhythm. It is weird. The Dolphins looked 
really strong offensively their first drive in London, right? And then just struggled to find that rhythm as well. So it's quite a few teams deviate into that. So, okay. So are you going to, are you going to go with the sharps on this one or are you going to go with your heart? So this is the thing. So I think the one thing that I'd probably lean towards in this game, these two teams can actually not stop the run at all. Mm. The Eagles ranked 30th and the Raiders ranked 25th mm-hmm. against the run. And I think that after what we saw with Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs last week, I think that is now strength to the Raiders game. So I think that'll be interesting to watch. And I also think that a couple of weeks ago now, when I think it was the Colts was going against the Dolphins, I said, the one thing I can't believe Frank Reich isn't doing is using Jonathan Taylor going behind this offensive line. And then what did they do? They went out and beat the Dolphins and Jonathan yeah. Taylor has been incredible ever since. Mm-hmm. Why aren't Philly running the ball? Yeah. Every Miles Sanders is the only person who's had positive yardage on every run he's done this season. He's the only mm. player in the NFL to do that. And yet Nick Sirianni seems so reluctant to run the ball, even though surely with a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, you, you want to run the ball. And Kenneth mm. Gainwell has looked great as well so far this season. So I expect them to have a lot of success on offense this week because I think this is the week they realize that they need to run the ball. I'm going over that. Vegas, fast turf, over Love 48 it. and a half. Love it. I think there's going to be points scored in this game. I know the Eagles got a strong passing D, but there's something about Vegas at home. I just always like the idea of there being a lot of points. I want to sit back. I want to relax. I want to yeah. watch this game and enjoy it. I'm going to take the over and I might flirt with the Raiders' money line just because I don't rate Nick Sirianni being able to do it at crunch time. Mm-hmm. But I'm not 100% sure now after hearing your case for Vegas. I also don't think... Eagles is the sharp play anymore because everyone's getting on it. So I think it's mm. losing its value because it hasn't yeah, moved. Yeah, yeah. So that doesn't make any sense. So I think now what I would do is probably flirt on Vegas money line, take the over, sit back, enjoy. Love it. I love that strategy. I think I might follow suit there. Just a couple of very quick things. We look at Devontae Smith on college days this week. Rookie watch part of our college days franchise. We look at uh, different players in their first season each week. We looked at receivers and looked at your guy, Jamar Chase as well on that. So uh, go check that out. Kadarius Tony is the other one, I think uh, Ben and I looked at uh, on college. Devontae Day. Smith is due a breakout game. This is his week. This I think be, this is, yeah. I think this is his week. This, that's a good point. He could, yeah. Be, uh, could he be. has been brilliant, but Chase has definitely overshadowed him. I mm-hmm. expect Chase to be slightly quieter this week. And I think Smith will be the one everyone's talking about on Monday morning. Mm, there you go. All right. You heard it here first. Other thing I was going to say, Kenneth Gainwell sounds like a baddie, uh, in the baddie in a kind of American pie style, you know, mid nineties, early noughties, high school, college movie where he's the, he's the kind of sl- slightly slimy preppy boyfriend that, you know is a wrong one. Yeah, yeah. No, that's actually a very good shout. But to be fair, if you said gay if you said game well and Sanders to me though, I wouldn't mm. mistake that for like an 80s rock band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen American Pile? Of course I've seen American oh, Pie. God. That's of that's course. That's going I've on the American yes Pie. list. All right. That's good. Yeah, see. yeah. No, I've, I've definitely seen American Pie. All right. Next up, let's go to New Orleans Seattle. So very low line in this game, right? in terms of totals. So yeah. 42 and a half. Yes, exactly. Whew. I mean, and that is low, low. Uh, where are you leaning here? Because, I mean, you were down on Gino back-to-back weeks now. I'm not sure who you dislike more, whether it's Zach Taylor or, or Gino. I don't know if you want to answer that, if I put them head-to-head. Um, if you put them together, I think you'd have the worst team in the NFL. Oh, that's just harsh. <laughs> harsh on both of them. Uh, okay, so I'm guessing you're going to ride the anti-Gino train. 100%. Straight week. 100%. 100%. Right. 100%. Let's hear it. 
I don't even need to look and listen to any of the Sharps or do any investigation into this. The reason why the Seahawks kept it close last week against the Steelers was because they were able to run the ball. That is the only reason that they had success. And Gino didn't throw an interception and he managed to throw for 219 yards and a touchdown, which on the face of it looks like a solid performance by a backup quarterback. Yeah. The trench battle is 100% going to be won this week by the New Orleans Saints. Their Mm -hmm. defensive front and their offensive line are Mm -hmm. the two strongest parts of this team. Yeah. And I think once you, once you add that into the mix, because that is one area where although Steelers won it on the defensive side of the ball last week, they did not on the offensive side. Their offensive line is one of the worst in Mm -hmm. the NFL, hands down. So that's where they struggled. What, um, what do you think of Jameis' season so far? Because I think if you look at how much improved he is, just in the, the obvious Jameis shortcoming of interceptions to, to t- touchdown ratio, I mean, it's a, that's a massive improvement. Uh, he's not being asked to do the same kind of thing that he was in Tampa Bay, which is kind of the point, or at least he's not being allowed to, to get away with it. But do you think Winston is, look, I'm not suggesting he's, hey, is he a sneaky MVP candidate or any of that nonsense? But do you think he's playing better than people are giving him credit for? I definitely think he's going under the radar. Mm. I think 100% that is the case. I mean, he is four to one ratio, his four to one ratio for the touchdowns, yeah. interceptions. You know what his other best was? One to seven to one. <laughs> Wow. So 1.7 to 1 in 2017, where he had 19 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. Four years ago. My God. Yeah. That was his next best. That was his next best. So that demonstrates how much better Jameis Winston is playing. He's had the last time they played was against Washington. He made some great throws deep. He also made some terrible throws. But I don't think you can take anything away from Jameis right now. I think he's performing really well. The one thing they the one reason why I think their offense was rolling much better against the Washington football team than it had been in recent weeks Mm -hmm. was because of the fact that they started to exploit Alvin Kamara in the backfield a lot more. And Mm -hmm. I think that is the one thing that they should do. They should utilize him in the passing game. He hauled in five of eight targets for 51 yards and a touchdown against Washington. And I expect, you know what I always say, Nat? This is Monday Night Football. Mm. When the stars are bright. No, when the lights are bright. The lights are on. No, yeah, when the, light, <laughs> when the, lights, are, <laughs> when the lights are on. When the no, lights when, are bright. When the lights are bright, the, the stars, stars will shine. Out. The stars yeah. will shine. The That's stars right. will shine. And Alvin Kamara <laughs> yeah. is a star now. So he's going to hot shine take. on yeah. Monday night football. Okay. I like the so I think take. he is going to have a huge game. The Seahawks mm. are allowing 433 yards per game this season. Is this now your is Drew the worst Lock of the week? Of the NFL. This is your Drew Lock of the week, isn't it? This is the worst of the NFL. It's actually not my Drew Lock of the week, oh, but yeah. I am strong about this. That yeah. is the worst of the NFL. And if it remains mm. that way, Nat, it will be mm. the worst in history. Wow. They've allowed 100 rushing yards in the last six games. There's only been six games this season. I don't know why I said last there. Six straight games. <laughs> only six games. Yeah, 100 rushing yards in every single game. Alvin Kamara is going to feast on Monday mm-hmm. Night Football. It will be, I honestly think that this is going to be the game where everyone realises that Jameis Winston, this New Orleans Saints team, are playing much better than people expected them to going into the season. And this is when the Seahawks season is 100% over. Stick and this is one out. Well, this is well. even without Michael Thomas and Traycon Smith in the mm. Saints side. They have them back in a couple of weeks. And then I think the Saints team could be taken a bit rested. more seriously. Thomas rested half the season and everyone's written Thomas off now because he wasn't great. Like, oh, I know. He's going to absolutely ball, I bet you, when he comes back. All right. Um, so let's get down. We've got your prop bets. Uh, prop Where are you going on this? Don't don't move away like that after I've just given the passionate rant to my life, even though I didn't uh, even know I was going to do that. It was a great rant and I enjoyed it. I... 
with you. I'm with you 100 on it. I, okay, I, cool. I have been big on bigger Gino. on Gino. Yeah, I think so. But I think you make a really a series of really valid points and, and absolutely nailed the reason why they were able to make some hay last time out was very much because of the ability to establish the ground game. You nailed it with the trenches too. There's just, yeah, they're in every conceivable matchup here. The only argument I think you can make for this staying competitive is if Jameis has one of those kind of meltdowns, yeah. because we've talked about it on the show, haven't we? That touchdown pass he threw when he was leaning back. Yeah. And he was so happy with himself as you would be when he threw a touchdown pass. And then John Bain absolutely uh, tore into him and he would just looked up utterly shocked. And so he's still in there somewhere, right? So all it takes and games can suddenly run away from no, you. Right? Right. It's a couple of, uh, you know, fumble, Winston doing something, rush of blood to the head. You know, and suddenly the the Hawks are fourteen points up, but it's big if if if, right? So no, I suppose is. on that note, the only thing I would consider then is is as well is the over of forty two and a half. Because if you think that the the Saints will win comfortably in the end, but there might be a few errant plays, and and the Seahawks will get something going. I mean, if you think the Seahawks can get seventeen points, say, and and maybe one of those is uh, you know a defensive touchdown or, or created from a turnover, then, yeah, I doesn't seem to be too out of the beaten track to look at 42 and a half and look at the over there. It might be My only fear with that, Nat, is that the Seahawks, especially last week without Wilson, implemented a very much bend, don't break defense. Mm. And I think that's will be there. That's the way they'll try and stop the Saints team next week. Mm. The Saints have worked off big, big plays, which is basically establishing the run and then sending one of their receivers deep, like Callaway. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think they will try and avoid throughout mm. this game because I think that's when usually the Saints are then able to get ahead, mm. establish the run, and it will be game over. So that's my only fear is I think the Seahawks will try and maintain, like keep the Saints on the field for a very long time, yeah, tire okay. them out, give their offense yeah. a rest. But yeah. Sean Payton covered nine of its nine of his last twelve games following a bye. Back in nice that goes back to like 2008. <laughs> I love that stat. Uh, okay, let, let's do well. We've got our Drew Locks. Got let's do your prop bets next. Propose prop bets. Prop bets. So, my first one is um, Terry McLaurin to go over 67 and a half receiving yards. He was on the injury report yesterday, surprisingly. So, that does affect things slightly, but I expect him to play. I think it was much more precautionary considering mm-hmm. that they're so panged up. I think they need to maintain everyone who is healthy as much as they can. Against mm-hmm. the Green Bay Packers, they don't have Jared Alexander. Green Bay just don't have a cornerback capable of keeping a stud like McLaurin under wraps. Mm-hmm. Scary Terry has actually struggled in recent weeks, though. His was by his standards. He's only gone for 74 yards altogether in the past two weeks, but you know what I like to do now. Buy low, sell high, and I'm buying low with Terry McLaurin. I expect in a game like this, Washington need to win to keep their season alive. And when that's the case, when you know that you can't necessarily, as much as I love him, rely on Taylor Heineke, I think that Terry McLaurin's going to have to put on a big game and I expect him to have one here. Mm -hmm. Second one, I've already basically said this already. Um, I've actually said a lot of prop bets basically in there. Take everything. Dropping and lo- sprinkling and loads sprinkling of Sprinkling and loads. But Joe Burrow over 258 and a half pass, yards passing. I think the Ravens are going to try and take away the run. I think that's what they're going to do early. And Joe Burrow's the truth, Nat. He's the truth. I love him. Is that I another love nickname for him? So he's, yeah. so he's, so he's Joey Franchise. Joey Franchise. Joey um, the truth, Burrow. And the truth. The truth, Burrow. That Just I the just, truth. 
Well, the thing is, though, is the reason why I became a Celtics fan was because of Paul Pierce, also being the truth. And I think sure. Joe Burrow is really reigniting my love for this Bengals team. Nice. But yeah, the Bengals have loved running the ball this season. I think the Ravens will try and take that away, which means mm-hmm. that Joe is going to have to throw and he's got an elite receiving unit. As you said, he's been exceptional against the Blitz. That's what the Ravens love to do. So I expect him to basically have a big game this week. He hasn't been actually throwing for this many yards week in, week out, but he hasn't had to because we've been leading for so many of these games and they're usually quite tight, which means we commit to the run. But I think this is going to be the game where we just see, as we've said now, I think it's just going to be Burrow and Lamar Jackson, two of the great young quarterbacks in the league, just going toe to toe. So I expect Joe Burrow to go over 258 and a half yards. And my last one, this is another buy low play now. DJ Moore over 76 and a half yards. The guy had an absolute mare last week. Did you see any of the uh, Panthers-Giants game or were you travelling back from the... Yeah, so I had... We were travelling back, but that's one of the fun things of post-London games, which I'm sure um, many of our listeners will attest to, either listening to the coverage on TalkSport 2, of course, or Game Pass on the phone, Sneaky Game Pass, or a bit of both. You can do a bit of both. Uh, so we had it with ridiculous traffic. Uh, so in 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 that for an hour. So it was on, but Red Zone stars. So I rewatched Red Zone again in the morning because I missed quite a lot the first half of red zone uh so aware of it but paint the picture for uh, for us as to how bad it was no doubt dj moore has been an incredible receiver throughout this season but last week he was just having a mare mm. he was dropping catches left right and center against the vikings but still managed to go for 73 yards on five mm. receptions he was actually targeted 11 times and no everyone wants to blame sam donald sam mm. donald wasn't seeing ghosts he was seeing dj moore <laughs> dj moore was just dropping it but when he's that good of a receiver in DJ Moore. That's not going to happen week in, week out. He will correct that. And the Giants secondary hasn't even been that good. They rank 22nd in the league. So I expect DJ Moore to easily go above 76. I love that. Yards. I mean, I like the Panthers a lot in that spot anyway, uh, which uh, we will come back to in a minute. Before we get into my Acker, let's do our Drew Locks of the Week. So we are five and one, Drew Locks of the Week. We are both five and one. It's very competitive. Uh, okay. So I was, I was uh, flirting with the Raiders but seeing as we've covered that game and I don't want to double down because it's a slightly emotional bet. <laughs> I I like, uh, uh, just for the record, minus three, as we often say, that is, if it's on a neutral field, that's a pick And I don't see, despite the different strengths and weaknesses of the size that we've gone through, which makes it feel fairly even. I just don't see this as a pick I think the Raiders are the better side. I think the more dangerous side, the more informed side, more fluent offense, so I, I, I'm leaning Raiders for that, but I, but looking, and one thing we haven't mentioned about this week's line, Zol, there are some huge numbers out there, right? Yeah, so, it's not a great week. Uh, you've got the Bucks as 12 and a half point favorites in the site I'm looking at uh, over the Bears. Uh, the Cardinals are 17 and a half point favorites against the Texans. Uh, I'm tempted by Davis Mills in that game. Yeah, could be, I really am tempted well. by Davis Mills, but I can't keep doubting the cards. I just can't. That's my yeah. fear. I, I, yeah, I. Uh, that is very. That is a very interesting line. But so I looked at this and thought, yeah, I don't really ever want to go near. Rarely go near those crazy three scoreish lines, right? Are you going However, on the Jared Goff revenge tour? I am going on the Jared Goff revenge tour, but I am not taking... Well, I don't know what you think might think I take. So... No, you're taking the Rams, aren't you? I'm taking the Rams all day. Yeah. All day. The 16, which is a terrifying number in many respects. And with Marek on the show this week, we inevitably talked a lot about the Lions and a lot about Goff. And I... 
have come to a place now where I realized over the last few years, there were certain quarterbacks. We mentioned one of them, Derek Carr, been a long-standing supporter of in the face of criticism. I just think he's been a better player than many have given him credit for. And there are all kinds of reasons for this, not least the um, lack of confidence that Gruden obviously had in him, the challenges that he has had around him, the team collectively, the line, the talent. And I, much like we were talking about right at the beginning of the show, Al, how quickly people are to write off players and, and, and particularly quarterbacks. I felt Carl was in that batch. You know, he went from a pro bowler to a bust in the space of a couple of years. And I never felt it was legitimate. I wasn't, didn't feel he was necessarily a top 10 quarterback, but you get my point. Better than advertised. Same with Sam Darnold. We talked about it a lot on the show. Why are the Jets, and I'm not saying this to be cute because Zach Wilson's having a really difficult first season, but really, are you sure he's not the guy? Are you, sh- are you sure you want to invest all your chips on this guy when you could be spending them elsewhere in a team that really needs it. Is he that much better? I'm not so sure. Same with Danny Dimes. Even in the space of the last couple of weeks now, everyone's like, well, that's it, Danny Dimes. The the team's terrible. All of his weapons are banged up. Let's just, you know. Now, Jared Goff, I was at the same. He quite clearly from the very beginning was limited. He could throw a good ball. He wasn't, he's not particularly mobile. Clearly not the quickest thinker, can't really improvise. And as things started to play out, it became very apparent that in a good spot with time against a weak opposition and that play calling, Gurley behind him in the early stages, everything you have behind him, yeah, you're rolling. The moment you're put in a stickier bind, it all comes down. But I still felt he was better than people suggested. In other words, Goff's terrible. He's a bust. Well, okay. He might be the 18th, 20th in the power rankings, but in the right situation, he can do a job. And, and, and that job could be a, certainly a deep playoff run and, and maybe even a Super Bowl contender, right? Now, I think the flip side of that, the situation is so bad for him. The receiving core, as Marek pointed out on the show, is I think Marek said it's the worst receiving core in the history of the NFL, which isn't too far off the truth. He's got nothing around him. A coach has called him out. Uh, Going up against a team that knows him, knows those weaknesses. He's that kind of player that you can obviously exploit because he's limited in that way. Will that's how Belichick took him down in the Super Bowl. And that's how the Rams, will. they'll get in his head. They'll know how to confuse him. It's a weak lineup anyway rolling Rams side, Rams all day. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely be on that side of it. I think the only, the problem is, is the argument for the Lions has been the idea that they don't stop fighting. Yeah. yeah, And that they will rally late. And with a number that big, that becomes immediately quite terrifying. I cash out at that point. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's good. That is actually not a bad shout to be fair. If you can catch out, I would go after that because that does make the most sense. But no, I I don't see it happening again this week. I think it's all starting to unravel slightly for the Lions. I thought those Mm. comments that Campbell said last week aren't going to end well realistically. I just don't see there being a capability for the Lions to score that many points in this game either, especially if they go down early, which they probably will, and then they have to throw the ball. Do you know That's what I reckon the Lions not- are going to do? Marek was saying he wished they got Gardner Minshew, which was a great call. And one of our listeners on, or one of our followers on social, I should say, at the NC show, uh, I think put out, um, mine's gone blank, Rams backup, John Walford. Walford. Yeah. Um, 
he'd be a good fit, which is interesting because they got two first rounders. I reckon, as, as Ben's telling us all the time on college days, I reckon they're going to use one of them on one of these, yeah, I'm not so sure, you know, low first round quarterbacks and it will just be a, a season of abject failure. Failure. They'll move on from Goff and they'll basically get another another Goff light. Yeah, <laughs> they just don't seem to be an organisation trending in the right direction, I don't think. It's not, it doesn't look like they're going to have a successful rebuild. But then again, you never know. You never know. You would have said that about the Chargers probably a couple of years ago. Uh, it's not going to get carried away about the charges yet this season. I think there's still a few more twists and turns there. Just throw yeah, that I think there probably is. Throw that out there. What are you going for, Oh, I'm going for another under. Shock. The unders king of Plumpton is going yeah. for another under. This one I actually feel pressured to take because you've given me that nickname. Um, I would, the Saints, as I said, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty big on the Saints, um, realistically. But at the same time, I think Jets, Patriots... It's not going to be fun now. You love a Pats under. I love a Pats under. under. I love a Pats under. It's under 42 and a half. Is it going to be 22-9? Yeah, that's basically (laughs) what I'm expecting. Do you know what I mean? Like that is genuinely or like 2013. I mean, New England games at home have gone under eight out of the last 10 games. The number is inflated this week. I think it'll be lower. I think it'll be below 40 if we hadn't seen that crazy New England Cowboys game that we did last week where mm. big plays were coming off left, right and centre and they had finally allowed Mac Jones to cook. And I know people are calling for Mac Jones to cook. Bill Belichick doesn't care what anyone thinks. Bill Belichick mm. will not listen to anyone else. He's not going to see this game and see this as an opportunity for Mac Jones to come out and have a party. He's going to see it as an easy win if mm. he just wins the game in the trenches, wins the game on the ground, gets an early lead, and just completely stunts this Jets offense, which won't necessarily be that difficult to do. Right. I think what they will do is they'll get up early and then they're just going to run the ball down the Jets' throat. The mm-hmm. Jets' secondary actually hasn't even been that bad this season. I think mm-hmm. if you look at the defensive sides of the ball for both teams, where they're most strong is the secondary and in mm-hmm. the passing and the passing defense, which means that this game is going to be a lot of running the ball. Michael Carter will be used for the Jets. Harris is an absolute boss mm. for the New England Patriots. Stevenson, they're just going to run through New York. As you said, this is going to be like 22-9, mm. 2013. It's going to be something ugly. It's going to be an ugly game. And it will probably get to around 37 and I'll start getting nervous because there's one more touchdown. But then Zach Wilson will probably throw an inception. Exactly. And and that's the end of the game. Wilson yeah, with exactly. Uh, I love it. It's a great shout. And it leads us nicely into our ACA. So I'm excited le- to hear the ACA this week, Nat. Yeah, well, I'm glad you are. Oh, I'm glad you are. And I feel like I need to make up for Josh Allen's stumbling and costing us all uh, a chunk of change last week. So I'm starting first with the Pats over the Jets. Nice. I uh, think it is the reasons you have outlined. Uh, we have, I guess, danced around a bit, but certainly talked about before. Belichick versus rookie quarterbacks. Yeah. In this particular rookie quarterback, forget about it. Pats yeah. over Jets are like. Yeah. The Giants are banged up, as we talked about. The Giants are a trend in the wrong way, to borrow a propo phrase. They are all over the shop. The Panthers over the Giants, where I'm going next. Nice. And then, and I'm sorry to do this to you, bud, but I'm no, thinking, no, it's fair. I know. I this, but I think that makes. I think that's a smart call. The Ravens oh, over the yeah. Ravens over the Bengals. They'll yeah. win the game. They will yeah. win the game. I think people are too high on the Bengals, realistically, at this moment in time. And I think the Ravens are going to get better week in week out. They're so banged up. It's incredible what John Harbaugh is capable to do. I think they're one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFL. Yeah. Right yeah. now, and you'd be reading my uh, power rankers on Scorecard. 
Huh? You'd be reading my AFC power rankings on scoreboard. Well, at the end of the day, now, who was the one who messaged you on Monday being like, we should do the <laughs> AFC power rankings? And I think Baltimore are my number one. So I want to tell you, you the lack of any credit in that article was is, is fraudulent, Nat. At the end of the day, it's fraudulent. You, you accuse me of plagiarism. You did suggest power rankings. This is a fair point. It might come as a surprise to you, or maybe not, that mm, for approximately 24 years, Journalists and broadcasters have been doing NFL power rankings routinely throughout the season. But not this week. Just, yeah, but it's this. It's just convenient that you decided to do this week. You could have been any other week. It's, you could have put any other team as number one. The I'm going to get the WhatsApp. Oh, I'm going to get the WhatsApp. And I'm going to publish it. And I'm going to publish it. You'll publish it on, on social media and you'll see that I'm saved in your phone as twat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'll post it at the same time that I post Will Gavin's message to me last year. Mm. What was it? It was when they were playing the Chiefs last year in about week five, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Will said, Tom Brady will never go to another Super Bowl, let alone win it. <laughs> and then I literally I saved it. it as a screenshot and then I sent it to it. him at the Super Bowl. It was very, very entertaining. Oh, please but no, I think I uh, the Ravens, the Ravens, I think will be the, the Bengals. I like that. I can have, that's good. Good shout. All right. Uh, love that. Oh, we are out of time. Brilliant stuff. Uh, one more time to plug all the shows that we've got out this week. Uh, we're putting out four a week because we are, we're trending in the right direction proper. I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of you getting, getting in touch with us on social media. We massively appreciate that. On uh, on the podcast platform, you listen to us, lots of you leaving reviews, which we also massively appreciate. Uh, it helps the algorithm all, right? That's a good thing. And I, I don't know really what that means, but I'm going with it. Helps our algorithm, helps spread the word. Uh, and, you know, for all of you taking time to, to leave a message, massive respect there. Want to give a verbal plug uh, to the Johnny and Josh show as well. They're doing great work over uh, on their Johnny Gould, Josh Chetwin, David Lengel, Eric, the producer, Eric Janssen uh, in playoff mode. And that show is absolutely flying and we love it. So go and check that out. Uh, and a big shout out to number one Smithy, who is uh, one of our latest listeners to leave a message uh, for us about the show on Apple. We really appreciate that, Smithy. Appreciate all of you taking time to do that. Oh, good luck this weekend. You too, my man. Check in Monday. Podcast Network.